Happy anniversary to everyone as we turn 11 years old as a church today. Pretty incredible what God has done these past 11 years, and I'm excited to celebrate just a little bit today, but first let me just uh, welcome everyone, whether you're joining us in person or maybe you're watching online, honored to have you with us today, and I also want to take a moment as I do every single week, it's probably one of my favorite things that I get to do, and that is to look into the camera and say a big hello to all the men and women joining us in our correctional ministry We love you guys, and we just want you to know, no matter what you've done or where you've been, that Jesus is the answer, and he can make all things new again as you put your trust and faith in him, and we're with you, we believe in you, we're praying for you, so come on, Defiance, and we welcome our church family today. Amen. I want to start off today by celebrating just a few of the things that God has done these past 11 years, and then I do have a message that I believe God has laid on my heart for us today, and and like mentioned, hopefully when you came in, you uh, got that annual report that uh, highlights in greater detail uh, some of the incredible things that God has done these past 11 years, not only just this year, but the past 11 years But a couple things kind of stood out to me that I wanted to highlight this morning, and and that is simply that we have seen 418 salvations this year alone. Come on, how many that's worth celebrating? 418 lives that will never be the same. And not only have we seen all of those uh, people make a decision to give their lives to Jesus, but we've also seen a record number of people going public with their faith and being water baptized. And in fact, in the past two months, in July and August, in summer months, by the way, we've seen 40 people go public with their faith and declare that they've been crucified with Christ and they now live by faith in the Son of God who loved them and gave himself for them to get water baptized. 40 people in two months. What's interesting about that is we do baptism, I know, every single month. 40 people, 40 lives, 40 souls. People like Adelaide Comden and Emily Logston and Brooke Bosselman and Alex Johnson and Jeremy Kimball and Lisa Marcot or Macau, Brooke Fields, Nadia Leatherman, Lacey Nelson, Maya Stark, Amber Abraham, Max Lucas, Timothy Overmeyer, Margaret Wilhelm, people like Carlos Ramirez and Ashley Belts and Brittany Burton and Daphne Julian and Bill Lindsay and Holly Whitman and Adelaide Gill and Tegan Miranda and Katie Knopfsinger and and Ryan Yoder and Jenna Aubrey and Kinley uh, Manriquez and Aubrey Overmeyer. People like Zane Buckner and Gabrielle Bennett and Harmony Harrington and Allie Jumper and Alyssa Malberg and Ariana Bassett and Amarin Green and Tori Miranda and Tina Schock and Lacey Yoder and Lydia Epling and Carrie McFarland and Maddox Overmeyer, just to name a few. How incredible is that? And not only did we see these 40 people get water baptized the past two months, but we've seen 161 people get water baptized this year alone. Come on, that's worth celebrating. Because how many of us know it it always boils down to people, souls, lives, and 
And I don't know about you, but when it's come to, to water bapt, uh, baptism, it's been really special, uh, at least for me, I think for you too, as we've been able to pray for and celebrate with every single person getting water baptized during one of our worship service experiences. And, and I'm just blown away by what God is doing in and through his church. And last week, we started this vision series called God First, where we're talking about throughout the month of September, uh, what, it, what it means to be a part of Experience Church. Why do we do what we do? What's God's plan, not only for his church, but also for us in our own individual lives too? And uh, we also talked about how our mission here at Experience Church is that we exist to connect people to a God-first life. I mean, that's our mission, to live a God-first life. Our mission isn't to come to a building. Our mission isn't is to live a God-first life. But at the same time, that can seem kind of daunting and overwhelming. Like, how do I get there? And so we have four methods that help us accomplish that mission, and they are to know God, find freedom, come on, discover purpose, and make a difference. Everything we do as a church boils down to trying to accomplish these four things to help us live a God-first life. Now, last week, we kind of dove a little bit deeper in the, the subject of knowing God. And, and today on our anniversary Sunday, I want to talk to us about finding freedom. Like, what does that look like in our lives? Because when we give our lives to Jesus and we get saved, what happens is that, is that all of our sin, past, present, and future, is paid for. But that doesn't necessarily mean that uh, we're completely changed yet. In other words, that, that we might be going to heaven, but we still got some issues. How many know you got issues? In fact, we like to say around here, I got issues, you got issues. All God's children have issues. And if you don't think you got issues, man, that is your issue because we all got them. In fact, we also like to say, if you think you're perfect, you might want to find another church because we're just going to mess you up around here because we're just a bunch of imperfect people with issues, but we've realized that Jesus is the answer, that Jesus is the way, Jesus is the truth, and Jesus is the life. And so we're pursuing him. And so when we get saved, we know that all of our sin, past, present, and future is paid for, but we still got some issues. Like we still got some wounds that, that need healed. We might still have some addictions that we're battling with. We might still have some bad habits that we're, we're trying to, to break. Those things just don't automatically go away. Now, sometimes they can be broken off, but, but not always. And so giving our lives to Jesus and, and getting saved, man, that's knowing God. That's the first step in our journey with, with Jesus. But then the Bible says in Philippians that we have to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. And so we might be going to heaven, but we're still living here on earth, dealing with some things that oftentimes fall into one of, of four categories. Our, our, our past, our problems, our pain, and people. How many of us know most of our issues fall into one of those four categories? Pain, past, problems, and people. And if I could just help us out a little bit today, identify what that might be for each and every one of us, that it's that thing that is in your life, that if it wasn't in your life, your life would be better. And that's why we call it find freedom. 
here at Experience Church. And every time, I don't know about you, every time I think about finding freedom, I'm always reminded of that godly movie, uh, Braveheart. Anybody remember the movie Braveheart? You know, that's not a, you don't hear that uh, a lady yelling for Braveheart. God bless you, ma'am. You're, you must be close to God. I'm just saying, I don't know what it is, but God speaks to you closely. I'm always reminded of Braveheart when I think of Finding Freedom and, you know, Mel Gibson who plays William Wallace. And I'm always reminded of this one scene where, you know, where William Wallace is given this inspirational speech to this small Scottish army. And he's trying to tell them, guys, we got to take a stand. This is a moment. And he's trying to inspire them to fight against the much bigger and more powerful English army. And if you remember kind of the, uh, the scene, Mel Gibson or William Wallace asked them a question. He says, he says, what will you do? I think God might be asking some of us that same question in our lives today. What will you do? And if you remember, the, the men respond. He says, I will, will run and we will live. You guys remember this scene? <laughs> And William Wallace responds by saying, I run, you will live. That's, best. That's all I'm going to take you there. <laughs> but take a look at it. I put it in your notes. William Wallace, uh, I'm, and now I'm quoting the great William Wallace. He said, he said run and, and you will live at least a while. And dying in your beds many years from now, would you be willing to trade all the days from this day to that for one chance, just one chance to come back here and to tell our enemies that they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom. And any, any guy that watches that movie, you're like hyped. Like I always, if I'm watching that with my kids, I'll like punch my kid. You're just like, I just needed to let out some aggression and. You're the closest thing to me. But in this scene, I just, love, I just love how it builds because he's telling these men, we got a moment here. Fellas, do you see it? We, we got an opportunity. It's time to say enough is enough. That We're not going to take this anymore. We're, we're not going to let our lives be controlled by another enemy. And he's telling them that even, even if we die in the process, that it was, it's still worth doing it. When it comes to our spiritual lives, can I just say, the last thing we want to do is to give our lives to Jesus and then spend the rest of our time on the planet miserable, struggling with bondages, addictions, and not walking in the freedom that God has for each and every one of us. Wouldn't that be the worst? To give my life to Jesus but never experience the freedom in the life that he has for me? I'm always going to deal with this. I'm always going to struggle with that. I'm always going to have this thing. I'm always going to have that thing. I know that's not God's plan for our lives. He didn't die on a cross so that we could just go to heaven. He died on a cross so we could experience heaven on earth and freedom in our lives. And so I'm just saying, man, let's just go for it, church. Let's go all in and experience the freedom and the life that God has for each and every one of us. And so the question is, man, what does that look like? Like, what does that look like in our lives? How do, how do we do that? What, what, what can, how, how do we experience the freedom that God has for us? Can I just say, freedom happens in the context of relationships. Let me say it again. Freedom happens in the context of relationships. And the early church gives us a great example of what this looks like. 
that God established his church after a little event called Pentecost, where he pours out the promised Holy Spirit upon 120 believers in the upper room. And then Peter, one of Jesus's disciples, stands up and preaches one of the greatest sermons in the history of the world. And the Bible tells us, let's pick up the story of the early church, Acts chapter two, verse 41, as we study what they did, their playbook and their plan today. Verse 41 says, those who accepted Peter's message were baptized. They were saved and they were baptized. Just like we celebrated today, 418 people saved this year alone. 161 water baptized this year alone. They were saved and they were baptized. And around 3,000 of them were added to their number that day. How many of us know that God cares about numbers? That's why we celebrate them around here because every number has a name and every name has a story and every story matters to God. How many of us know numbers represent lives being changed for all of eternity? So we celebrate the fact that we were able to give over a half a million dollars away this year alone. But it's not about the money. It's about the 30 plus organizations that we were able to pour into and partner with and all the lives that were touched as a result. All the lives that were touched, all the people that experienced God's love and his freedom and his forgiveness in their lives. I know that's worth celebrating. That's why we celebrate those numbers. And we read here in this early church that 3,000 were added to their number. These people made a decision to, to give Jesus their lives. They surrendered their hearts to him. They came to this, this point of, of knowing God. They committed their lives to Jesus. But then I want us to take a look at what happened next, because I think oftentimes we overlook it in the church. Very next verse, let's take a look at it. Acts chapter two, verse 42, after they gave their lives to Jesus, after they became Christians, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Now it's interesting, the word devoted in the Greek is the Greek word proskartorer. I don't think that's how you say it. That's the best I could do though. I listened to the guy uh, say it all night last night. On my way home from the office last night, I was like repeating it like 30 times. And then I got this morning and I, I wasn't even close. But that's not important, guys. What's important is what it means. That's what's important. And the word devoted literally means to continually give of yourself. Hold up. This is a little different than maybe some of us might think because the Christian life isn't this one-time decision where we give ourselves to God. But instead, it's a continual giving of ourselves to something greater that God has for our lives. Let me say it like this. Salvation isn't the finish line. Salvation is just the starting line. And we see this, the early church, man, they were, they were devoted. Can I just say, we're all devoted too. We're all devoted to something. The question is, are we devoted to what really matters? Are we devoted to what God wants us to be devoted to? And the example we see from the early church is that after they got saved and they came to know God, they went from devotion to God to also being devoted to each other which is how many know it's a game changer when we experience this. Like maybe some of us, we've made a commitment to, to Jesus. We've devoted our lives to God. But the question is, have we taken the second step in the journey with Jesus and become devoted to each other? 
What did they devote themselves to? The Bible tells us, well, they first devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. In other words, they devoted themselves to biblical teaching. I mean, that's important, what the Bible says. Biblical teaching is the conduit to help us know Jesus, draw close to Jesus, and live for him. But then secondly, they devoted themselves to fellowship. Now, word fellowship in the Greek is the Greek word koinonia, and it means community. Let me say it like this. Let me give us our, our key thought for today's message, if you're, if you're taking notes, and that is that we would be a church where we would embrace the fact that community is our commitment. Community is our commitment. Just like the earlier church, not only would we be committed to King Jesus, but we would also be committed to community. How many know it's not either or, it's both. This is how God has designed it. This is how God has designed the church to be. And I just wanna challenge us, no matter where we're at today, that we would make a commitment to the community of believers called the local church. See, the early church, they had this commitment, this devotion to community. I think too many Christians nowadays, they make a commitment to Christ, but we never follow it up with that second commitment and be committed to community. And I'm just challenging all of us today to actively participate. The word experience means to actively participate with what God is doing in this place, to come out of the stands and onto the field and, and make a commitment to community. Let me say it like this. None of us can be who's God, who God has called us to be by ourselves. None of us were meant to do life on our own. Let's keep reading the, the story of the early church in Acts chapter 2. Let's, let's read uh, verse 43 through 47. It says, Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You know, if you've ever been at a, at a point in your life where you've wondered, man, what's this church thing all about? Like, is it just about going to a building once a week, singing some songs, having this buff guy yell at us. Is that what church is all about? Yes, that's exactly what it's about. No, I'm joking. If you've ever wondered that, then, then I, I'm glad. I want to answer that question. Like, what is, this, what is church all about? In fact, the early church gives us uh, six commitments that they made to live out the plan and the purposes that God had for them. And I think we need to make these same commitments too. The Bible tells us that they were together and had everything in common, so they made a commitment to get along. What if we would be a church that would make a commitment to get along? Like the gossip, the slander, the backbiting, the tearing down, the critical spirit. What if we refused to have a critical spirit? What if we refused to gossip? What if we refused to slander and we build each other up and we lived in unity? What kind of church would that be? The church that God's calling us to be? The church that's experiencing signs and wonders? The church that's experiencing freedom? The church that's experiencing a real community? It goes on to say that the early church, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone in need. So we see that they made a commitment to care for one another. 
Like if someone was in need, they're like, man, you need to work harder. You're not doing enough. I'm so sick of you. No, they came alongside and they helped each other who were in need. What if we would be a church that would help each other? Look out for each other, support one another, be there for one another. What kind of church would we be? The church God's called us to be. More than just a building, more than just a Sunday service, a church that's experiencing real community. And you know what happens in real community? Freedom, relationships, purpose, meaning, family. Let's keep going. This, they, they continued to meet together in the temple course, the Bible says. And so we see that they, they had a commitment to worship together. I don't know, not just Jesus and us in our living rooms. No, no, churches where we gather together as the body of believers. There's something that happens in this place when we join our faith to each other. There's something that happens in worship. There's something that happens when we come together and we're listening to the word of God be preached. There's, there's just something happens here that you can't get in your living room. And they made a commitment to worship together in God's house. The Bible goes on to say that they broke bread together in their homes and they ate together with gladness and sincere hearts. And so we see that the early church made a commitment to do life together. This might be one of my favorite ones. This is a game changer. In other words, we hang out with each other outside of church. Like we do stuff together. Like we go out to eat or we, we hang out and we watch, we'll watch the Chiefs beat the Jaguars later today. Come on, somebody. Don't get me started. It doesn't take much. But we hang out. We do life together, man. This is the church. What kind of church would we be if we actually did life together? Not just a religious service every once in a while together. What if we did? We would be the church that God's called us to be. I'm telling you, if you're like, man, what's this church thing all about? Going to a building? No, 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 no. It's a community. It's so much more than that. God designed it to be so much more than that. We'll keep going. The Bible says that they were praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And so what we see the early church do is make a commitment to celebrate together. Come on, how many know it's good to celebrate each other's victories? Man, proud of you. Look at you. Look what God's doing in your life. I mean, even watching Matt and Haley's testimony. Man, what God has done in their lives, where they have brought them from. Come on, we're celebrating what God is doing in their life. Through small groups, she gets saved. They're finding freedom. Come on, it's worth celebrating. Come on, we're cheering them on. There's more. Come on, there's more, Matt. There's more, Haley. That's just a little bit of what God has. God's got so much more for your marriage, but you're on your way. You might not be where you want to be, but man, I'm seeing it. You're not where you used to be. And we're celebrating you as a church, cheering you on. And then finally, we see that the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. So we see that the early church make this commitment to grow the community. In other words, that's not just us, us four no more. That we're not just a clique or a country club. And that's a good place for an amen. amen. They wanted their family to grow. That what we've experienced, we want others to experience. The freedom, the forgiveness, the life, the purpose, the meaning. I mean, we want more testimonies like Matt and Haley, where I was hopeless, where I, I, I went through some stuff. I was depressed and I wasn't, I had no hope. But then I met Jesus and I found a, a family to be a part of. And God started working in my life, in my marriage. And now I have hope today and freedom. We want more testimonies. We want the family to grow. How I many know heaven and hell are real and people are going there? We want to grow heaven and shrink hell. 
right? The same hope that changed our life. We want other people to experience that same hope. This is a perfect description of what the church should be because community is our commitment. This is the church. And we're all called to, to be a part of God's people. We're called to community. And so let me just take a few minutes uh, as we, we close today for the next 45 minutes. I just want to take a, a couple seconds to talk about the why behind the what. Because I think it's important. Uh, that's the what community. That's the what God has called us to be. But, but what's the why behind the what? I'll give you a couple of thoughts. But, but I'll never forget uh, the really understanding why the why is so important. Many years ago, I, I worked construction, used to frame houses, and I think they're still standing to this day. I'm not sure. But um, one of the things my boss would have me do is he would have me put like uh, fire blocking in the garage, uh, which is just these boards in between these studs that really look like they have no purpose whatsoever. Like they're not helping the walls help stand up. They're, they're doing nothing. Well, I never understood. He didn't actually tell me what they were for. He said, hey, cut, cut blocks and just put them in between the studs halfway up the wall. So every house we would go build, I would have to do that. And for the longest time, I thought my boss was just having me do that because I wasn't good at doing anything else. And he's like, just go over there and cut these boards and put them in between the walls that do absolutely nothing. So the rest of us can build the house. That's what I thought was happening. But apparently there was actually a method to the madness and he got tired of having to tell me what to do and how to do it every single house. So finally, after like six or seven houses, he goes, don't you understand what we're doing? And I go, no, no, I, no, I have no idea. What's, uh, this whole time, I don't know what's happening. And he said, we're putting fire blocking in the wall. So if a, a fire happens, those blocks will actually contain the fire and slow the fire down so that if people are in the house, they can get out of the house and all that. And I'm like, I'm saving lives right now by these little blocks. I have no idea. But after he told me that, then the next house we went to, I already knew what to do and how to do it. Why? Because I knew the why. Not just what I was doing, I knew why I was doing it. So let me give us the why we need to be connected to the local church and community. If you're taking notes, the first reason is this. Number one, commitment lasts longer in community. Let me say that again for the people in the way, way back. Commitment lasts longer in community. Have you ever tried to, to work out or get in shape on your own? How many, it's a way easier to hit the snooze button. Or to make an excuse, you know what, I'm going to start this thing on Monday. I just had a rough week. I'll do it later. But when there's people waiting at the gym for you to get there, when, when you got a workout buddy that's there at 6 a.m. and you're just going to leave him high and dry, how much, it's a, it, commitment lasts longer in community. Have you ever been at a place in your life where you just wanted to quit, give up, or walk away, but you had some people around you? You had some people around you who wouldn't let you quit who wouldn't let you give up, who wouldn't let you walk away. And they said, no, no, we're with you. You're not, I'm not gonna let you give up. You're on that, you're not even working out. Man, I'm done after just one set. And now you're gonna do another set. I mean, I need people to do that, not just in the gym, but in life. Now you need to do another set. You're not walking away. There's more in you. Come on, there's more that God has for you. You can do more. I mean, we need those kinds of people around us. Commitment lasts longer in community. Our commitment will always falter when we get isolated and disconnected. No wonder people start struggling in their faith. No wonder people start questioning their calling because we get disconnected from community. It's important. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 through 25 says it like this. 
and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. The key word there, how many know is habit, that our habits mold and shape our lives, but we're encouraging one another and all the more as we see the day approaching. In other words, let me say it like this, that church isn't a building we go to, it's a family we belong to. Church is not a building we go to. It's a family we belong to. And if we've only made that first commitment to Jesus, but we've never made that commitment to community, I'm telling us we're not experiencing all that God designed it to be. We're missing out on freedom and fellowship and community with each other. I know we can do more together than we can apart. And one of the greatest ways that we can get connected to community is through small groups and serving. Small groups and serving. Small groups and serving. Small groups and serving. <laughs> it worked. You're going to home. Small groups and serving. Small groups and serving. <laughs> But it's true. We, we don't just have those things to have those things. The real reason, the why behind small groups, the why behind serving, community, family, doing life together as his church. We're stronger together, right? We need each other. It leads me to our second reason we need to be connected to the local church. Number two is because we're stronger together. Come on, we're stronger together. We need each other. And the truth is, there's going to be moments in our lives when everything is going really, really good. Man, we're on cloud nine. Everything, man, everything we put our hand to is just working. And we're strong. We're strong in our faith. We're strong in our relationships. We're strong in our purpose. We're strong in our calling. We're strong in our faith. I mean, we're just, we're, we're strong. And it's in those moments we can come alongside others who might be going through a difficult time who might be struggling, who might be facing some issues, and we can be their strength. We can, come, we can come alongside them and help them. They might want to quit. They might want to give up. They might want to walk away, but we can be strong with them and for them. We're not going to let you quit. We're not going to let you give up. No, no, God's got a plan. We're with you. We're going to see the, this thing through. But at the same time, on the flip side, if you've been on this planet for any amount of time, you know that life has a way of knocking the wind out of you. The Bible says that the rain falls on the just and the unjust, meaning life happens to all of us. Regardless, life happens. There's moments when life knocks the wind out of us and we're going through difficult times. And how many of us know it's in those moments I need some people who are strong to come alongside me. Why? Because we're stronger together. First Peter chapter two, verse 10 says it like this. Once you were not a people, but now... Now you are the people of God. Now you're a part of a family. Now you're, you're a part of the body of Christ and you're stronger together. Come on, community is our commitment. And some people might say, well, but I don't need anybody. If you've ever had that thought, if you've ever said that, then my question to you is, then why are you helping somebody? If you don't need anybody, then why are you helping somebody? Because when you became a Christian, this thing no longer became about us. It's about others. How can I serve? How can I help? How can I come alongside others? It's the family of God. In fact, did you know that there are 100 one another commands in the New Testament? 100 one another commands that we cannot fulfill on our own or by ourselves. 
For example, one another, love one. The Bible says love one another, serve one another, forgive one another, encourage one another. How I many you can't do that by yourself? Bear one another's burdens. Don't judge one another. Pray for one another. This is how God designed it. We're stronger together. And then finally, today, the, the third reason we need to be connected to the local church, we need to be connected in community, is number three, is that we can either do a little alone or we can accomplish a lot together. Now look back over the past 11 years. I'm blown away by, by what God has done. A truly miraculous. And the truth is a major reason why is because there's, there's been an amazing group of people who said, you know what? I'm not going to sit on the sideline. I'm going to be committed to this community. I'm going to watch God do what only he can do. And it kind of reminds me of, of the power of togetherness, of doing life together. And it reminds me of the old Belgium horse, which is the strongest horse on the planet. They can, did you know that one Belgium horse can pull 8,000 pounds? And there's a good picture of what I'm talking about. This is actually also a picture of the horse I rode bareback when I um, <laughs> proposed to my wife, Justina. <laughs> she had no choice but to say yes. Just came from a tanning bed and rolled up on that guy. I'm teasing, none of that happened. But the truth is, I don't ride horses. Uh, I just don't believe in getting on an animal that's bigger than me. This is kind of a rule I've had all my life. But that's not the point of this story. The point is, one of these horses can pull 8,000 pounds. And so if one can pull 8,000, two can pull... Wrong. You lose the million dollars. Actually, one can pull 8,000 pounds. Two of them can pull 24,000 pounds. And what's interesting is if two of them spend enough time together, that number can actually go up to around 32,000 pounds. One by themselves, 8,000. Two, 32,000 pounds. And, and they actually did a study on, on two of these uh, horses that grew up together. Since birth, they were together. And when they grew up as adults, they actually were able to pull over 50,000 pounds together. Why? It's the power of team. I mean, we can't do this thing alone. And we weren't meant to. And so whatever we've been trying to overcome in our lives, whatever we've been dealing with, how I many we can't pull it off on our own? We need people in our lives to bring some strength. That's what the body of Christ is all about. And for some of us, maybe we're battling something or we're going through something and we've, we've brought it to the Lord. We say, God, help me with this. But now it's time to take it to the next level and bring it to the body of Christ. And that's why we have small groups around here. We're not, a, we're not a church with small groups. We're a church of small groups. It's what we do. It's how we do community together. And small groups launched today. And I'm encouraging every single one of us to get into a small group. Not, not because of the activity we're doing. Not even because of maybe a Bible uh, that we're re studying together, a book of the Bible. Not, not any. Those things are great, but it's about community. It's about fellowship. 
And here's what's gonna happen when, when you get into a small group. The first week's a little, it's a little weird because they put that chair in the middle and they all get around and you have to sit there and they interrogate you. I'm joking, that doesn't happen. Half of you are like, I'm not getting in a small group, no way. Tell us about the sin in your life. After that though, it's really good, okay? If you can make it past the gauntlet. I'm, te- I'm teasing, none of that happens. The first week, you know, it can be a little awkward because you're, you're meeting new people. I get it. But what happens at week three or, or week four, all of a sudden you start building these godly friendships. And then after a few weeks, man, you really connect with a couple people. And so you start to lean in a little closer and say, hey, hey, you want to get some coffee? Hey, you, hey, maybe it's a couple. Hey, we'd love to have you over for dinner. Or you want to go out to eat? You start doing life together. You start building these relationships with these people. You start hanging out. And all of a sudden, it's in those moments, you say, hey, man, I'm kind of going through this. I'm kind of struggling with this. Can you pray for me? And you know what they say to you? Hey, I got some stuff too. Could you pray for me with this? Or, or maybe you're at a point, you're like, I don't, I don't have any major issues. Right? You got issues, but maybe not major issues. But you're like, man, I just noticed, I noticed how you are with your kids. You're a great mom. You're a great dad. I'm trying to be the, a better father, better mother. Man, what do you do? Or your marriage, man, your, your marriage, either, either you're faking it really good or you have a good marriage. Either way, how do you do it? Tell me, I wanna get better. And we, how many of we make each other better? We, get, we start, why? Because we're starting to do life together. We're part of this community. I mean, the church isn't a building we go to, it's a family we belong to. And I'm just encouraged, I wanna encourage you to don't stop on step one. Don't just be devoted to Christ. Be devoted to Christ and let's be devoted to each other in fellowship, in community. I'll close with this passage of scripture, Romans chapter 12, verses four through five. In this way, we're like the various parts of a human body. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. The body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. Each of us finds our meaning and function as a part of his body. This is God's call in our lives. How many we're called to community? We're called to know God and find freedom. Freedom happens in the context of relationships. We're called to community. Would you, would you pray with me today? Father, we thank you for your church, God. What you're doing in your house, what you're doing in the hearts of your people. Thank you for the plan and the the purpose and the design that you have. God, we're celebrating the 418 salvations this year alone. We're celebrating the 161 water baptisms. We're celebrating how you bring those from death to life. You bring hope to the hopeless and freedom to the captive. We're celebrating your love, your grace and your goodness. We thank you for your church. And right now, with every head bowed, every eye closed, we just take a moment, would you just pray this with me? Say, Holy Spirit, how do you want me to respond to the message today? The reason why we pray this is because we don't wanna just be a hearer of God's word, we wanna be a doer. So speak, Lord, we're listening. Maybe for some of us, we need to be devoted to Christ. And we come to this point where we would know God, not just with our heads, but we would know God in our hearts. Maybe, maybe that's you today. You, you need to make that commitment, this devotion to Jesus. Or maybe for others of us, we need to go take the next step and be devoted to community, 
devoted to each other, to be the church that God's called us to be, which isn't a building that we go to, it's a family we belong to, that all of us would do our part and experience this abundant life that Jesus has for us. Speak, Lord, we're listening. Give us the courage to take our next steps. And right now, I wanna give you an opportunity to, to make a devotion and commitment to Jesus, to surrender your life to him. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you would say, man, I, I know about God, but I don't have a relationship with him. I've never made that commitment. I've never surrendered my life to him. I'm gonna give you that opportunity. It's the best decision I ever made in my life. You saw Matt and Haley talk about it on the video. Maybe today is your day. God says, I have so much more for you than what you're living. If that's you today, with every head bowed, every eye closed, would you just lift your hand to heaven? Say, here I am as a sign of surrender. God, I wanna know you, not just know about you, not just know you in my head, but I wanna know you in my heart. Maybe you're watching online today, or maybe you're in a jail cell right now. God has a plan for you. And it starts with surrender. And right where you're at, with your hand lifted high, would you pray this prayer with me? Say, God, thank you for loving me right where I'm at, but loving me enough not to let me stay there. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to pay the price for my sin on the cross. Today, in this moment, here's my life. Here's my heart. God, I wanna know you. Forgive me of my sin. Fill me with your spirit. Show me how to live, God. I want to know you and the life that you have for me. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, let's give God some praise for all he did today. So good.